Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I am your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, welcome, bienvenido. I encourage you to explore our previous podcast episodes. And to all our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, I'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester, each representing a unique part of our discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, share captivating stories, offer deeper insights into the topics we're exploring. In this episode, we'll dive into providing information about different modalities recommended for pregnancies and their efficacy. It's important to note that while many of these modalities are considered alternative or complementary approaches, their effectiveness can vary, and pregnant individuals should always consult with their healthcare providers before pursuing any new treatments. First trimester. Say her name. In this segment, I take a moment to honor the memory of Black women who have tragically lost their lives as a result of systemic neglect and medical racism. Today, I'm changing it up. I'm highlighting an organization who is actively working to help combat the maternal mortality rate. Join us as we shed light on the National Birth Equity Collaborative, NBEC and their groundbreaking efforts to rewrite the story of maternal health outcomes. Picture this, a group dedicated to revolutionizing the very systems that shape maternal mortality rates. But hold on. They're not pointing fingers at moms or women. Instead, they're peeling back the layers to uncover the systemic roots of the problem. Dr. Joya Craya Perry, founder of NBEC, We're not blaming moms or blaming women. We're analyzing the larger issues that contribute to black maternal mortality. Dr. Joya Crayer Perry is a brilliant mind behind NBEC, a trailblazing OBGYN and president of the organization. So what's their approach? The NBEC is tackling issues head on like implicit bias. They're providing racial equity training to healthcare providers, helping them better understand and address the biases that impact care for black pregnant and postpartum women. But that's not all. They're also partnering with organizations on the front lines to amplify their impact. Dr. Joya Creer Perry, founder, NBEC, we're offering trainings and support to organizations dedicated to Black maternal mortality. And it's not just about the numbers. Dr. Crayer Perry is on a mission to gather comprehensive data on birth outcomes, postpartum health, and trauma. Because to find solutions, you need to understand the real circumstances of people's lives. Let's talk about the numbers for a moment. Dr. Crea Perry 
highlights a shocking study that analyzed pregnancy-related deaths. While medical complications were significant factors, the story goes much deeper. Unintentional injuries and substance-related issues played a substantial role. The study revealed that the structural choices in society are interconnected, from the lack of paid leave and affordable childcare to the dire need for accessible mental health support. Dr. Creer Perry, our system lacks paid leave, affordable care, and proper mental health support. It's all interconnected. The NBEC's work reminds us that saving Black moms requires a holistic, systemic shift. It's about addressing the biases, amplifying community efforts, and advocating for structural changes. Second trimester. I got hired by my client in her second trimester, ironically enough. She was pregnant with her second baby. During her first pregnancy, she went into labor and went into the hospital immediately. It was early in her labor and her doctors decided to use Pitocin to bring on her contractions. Her baby went into distress and her doctor called a C-section. She got pregnant with her second baby eight months after her first. Listen, these things happen all of the time. Her doctor shamed her for getting pregnant so quickly after her first. Her doctor stated that they were concerned about the strength of her uterine scar. She informed her doctors that she had researched her options and she wanted to attempt a vaginal birth, a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after C-section. They said they were very VBAC friendly, but suggested a repeat C-section. I counseled her on that. A truly supportive VBAC provider would recommend other support modalities to help support her and the pregnancy. We talked about her options. She was with the same provider that she had given birth with her first. And upon further questioning, she decided that she needed to change doctors. I gave her a list of VBAC-friendly providers who I had worked with many times in my 21-year career. And she decided to change to a practice in Manhattan. We talked a lot about the importance of exercise during pregnancy. It's not only important for helping to grow the baby, but you will also have a healthier delivery and recovery. Braxton Hicks. Some of the modalities that are recommended here are modalities that are often recommended by healthcare providers as well. Pelvic floor therapy, PT. Pelvic floor therapy involves exercises and techniques to strengthen and manage the pelvic floor muscles. This therapy can be beneficial during pregnancy and postpartum to address issues like urinary incontinence and pelvic pain. Osteopath. Osteopathic care involves hand-on manipulation of the muscular skeletal system to promote overall health. Osteopathic care during pregnancy might help with alignment, pain relief, and relaxation. Seek a qualified osteopath with experience in pregnancy care. Now don't get me wrong, you don't have to hire a trainer unless that's your thing. People underestimate the power of walking. It's free, always accessible, no membership fee. Living in New York City, 
makes it easier to walk anywhere. Now let's jump back into the show. Your pelvic floor cradles your baby. Imagine it's a hammock and one side is higher than the other. You can imagine how difficult it will be to get out of that hammock. We underestimate the importance of being in alignment. And if your pelvic floor is out of alignment, it's not in an optimal position to grow and help the baby grow and also to deliver the baby. After our prenatal visits, my client decided as part of her birth plan, she would labor at home for as long as possible and head to the hospital for pain relief. She informed her new doctors of her plan. They were very supportive and encouraged her to use all the modalities I mentioned. We had several prenatal visits where we talked about her plan. I showed birth videos, videos about breastfeeding. We also developed a relationship and I got a better understanding of how we could work together. Not just me and her, but also her husband. We work together as a team when you hire a doula. When you work with me, we are developing a relationship of trust. This is an important step in doula work. If you cannot trust your doula, it becomes challenging to trust the information we share. Braxton Hicks. Here are some other modalities that could help ease pregnancy and postpartum. Chiropractic care. Chiropractic care involves adjusting the spine and other joints to improve alignment and alleviate pain. While some pregnant individuals find relief from discomfort through chiropractic adjustments, there isn't a strong body of evidence supporting its efficacy for managing pregnancy-related issues. Don't get me wrong. A lot of these modalities, when they state that there's not a lot of evidence, it just means that there have not been a lot of studies done. People use them. People find them beneficial. So I would encourage you to pick what feels natural to you. Safety and expertise are crucial when seeking chiropractic care during pregnancy. The Webster Technique is a chiropractic method primarily used in the care of pregnant women. Developed by Dr. Larry Webster, it focuses on addressing sacral subligation and improving pelvic alignment to promote optimal fetal position and a smoother childbirth process. The technique is commonly employed by chiropractors specializing in prenatal and postnatal care. Subligation refers to the misalignment or restriction in the vertebrae that can disrupt the nerve function of the overall body balance. The sacrum, the triangular bone at the base of the spine, can become misaligned, affecting the pelvic and uterine alignment. In a previous episode, I mentioned the importance of chiropractic care and have a full interview with Dr. Haroon, who is a chiropractor. Please feel free to take a listen to that episode. Our body works optimally when our spines are aligned. You're creating more space to stand taller and for your body to support your pregnancy. Chiropractic adjustments who practice the Webster technique, use a series of gentle and specific chiropractic adjustments to address the sacral subligation. Now let's jump back into the show. I gave my client a lot to consider with the types of births she wanted to have. I explained it's important to think about the kind of birth you want. 
It's okay to imagine all of the outcomes, but it's important to acknowledge your feelings. She told me that she wanted to have a vaginal birth. She knew she would get an epidural, but she wanted to go into labor on her own. She was reassured by her new providers that they would support her. I had worked with this practice many times in my 21-year career. They take their C-section rates very seriously. After each C-section, they discuss ways they could have avoided that section. There are many practices that are not this thorough with their C-section rate. Braxton Hicks, Midwives. Please allow me a minute just to get on my soapbox. I truly believe that one of the best ways that this country can change their maternal mortality rate is to allow midwives to take the lead on births in hospitals. NYU, for example, has a midwifery program, but NYU Hospital did not allow midwives to deliver at their facilities. I was informed last month by a nurse that NYU is going to allow midwives to deliver in their facilities. Midwives are healthcare professionals specializing in providing care to pregnant women before, during, and after childbirth. Midwives offer a personalized and holistic approach to childbirth, focusing on a natural process and providing emotional support. Midwifery care has been associated with positive birth outcomes, including lower rates of interventions and cesarean sections when compared to traditional medical interventions. Acupressure. Acupressure involves applying pressure to specific points on the body to alleviate pain or discomfort. It's considered safe during pregnancy and might provide relief from symptoms like nausea, back pain, and stress. While there's limited scientific research on its efficacy for pregnancy-related issues, some individuals report positive experience. All of my clients who use acupressure as a modality have found it very beneficial throughout pregnancy. Acupuncture. Acupuncture involves inserting thin needles into specific points on the body to stimulate energy flow and promote healing. Some pregnant women use acupuncture for pain relief, stress reduction, and managing nausea. Limited research suggests that acupuncture might be helpful for conditions like back pain and morning sickness, but most studies need to establish its effectiveness during pregnancy. Moxibotion is a traditional Chinese medical practice that involves burning of a dried mugwort near specific points on the body to stimulate and promote healing. This therapy is closely linked to acupuncture and is believed to balance the body's vital energy, or qi. Moxibotion has also been used for centuries as a complementary treatment in traditional Chinese medicine to address alignments like pain, digestive issues, and menstrual disorders. Although its scientific efficacy remains a subject of ongoing research and debate, I use acupuncture regularly and have found it hugely beneficial. There aren't many studies, but there are IVF doctors who recommend using acupuncture simultaneously when using IVF because it has been known to help stimulate and encourage pregnancy. Massage. Prenatal massages can help alleviate pregnancy-related discomfort, 
reduce stress, and improve overall well-being. Skilled therapists can adjust their techniques to accommodate the changing needs of pregnant bodies. While generally considered safe, it's crucial to seek a massage therapist with experience in prenatal massage. There are certain pressure points on the body that can stimulate contractions. So it's important that your provider is aware of these pressure points and avoid them at all costs prior to the 37th week of pregnancy. 37 weeks, you're considered full term. Some people will start stimulating those points to try to see if they can activate labor for around their due date. Now let's jump back into the show. When my client went into labor, she excitedly called me. It was the middle of the night. A little fun fact, most people go into labor in the middle of the night. That is when you are most relaxed and not thinking about labor. This is why it's important in the last few weeks of pregnancy to start a good nighttime routine and get to bed early. I reminded her about all the things we talked about prenatally, reminded her that this may be early and getting some rest is optimal in between her contractions. Now, I specifically say rest because when you tell people to go back to sleep, they're thinking they're going to have a night of sleep like they normally do, wake up to go to the bathroom. But rest in early labor is different. Your contractions might be 20 minutes apart and 30 seconds long. So you can doze in between 20 minute apart contractions. This way it allows your body to get full rest and recovery to support you through the length of labor. I reminded her that, you know, if she couldn't get back to sleep, she could take a bath, she could have a shower, have a sip of wine. Actually, at this stage, the wine would help her to relax and to doze a little bit better in between contractions. Braxton Hicks, cranial sacral therapy. Cranial sacral therapy involves gentle manipulation of the skull and spine to promote relaxation and balance in the body. Limited evidence exists regarding its efficacy in pregnancy. Safety and practitioner qualifications are important considerations. Homeopathy. Homeopathy involves using highly diluted substances to stimulate the body's healing response. There's limited scientific evidence supporting the efficacy of homeopathy in pregnancy. Consultations with a qualified healthcare professional is essential as some homeopathic remedies might not be safe during pregnancy. Remember that every individual's experience is unique and what works for one person might not work for another. Always consult with a healthcare provider before pursuing any new treatments or modalities during pregnancy. Additionally, new research and information may have emerged since my last update in September of 2021. So it's important to stay informed about the latest developments in maternal care. Now let's jump back into the show. My client labored through the night. We stayed in contact. She reached out many times to inform me of her progress, but she mostly rested through the night. In the mornings, she was ready to go to the hospital. When we arrived, I got her a wheelchair and we went up to labor and delivery. Because her contractions were consistent, long, and strong, they escorted her directly into triage. Because my client was a VBAC and wanted an epidural, they decided not to examine her 
and directly admitted her into a room. My client decided to get an epidural. After her epidural, she rested for a few hours. When her doctor came back in, she was fully dilated. It was time to push. My client could not believe how much progress she made. Her first pregnancy, she believes she only made it to about six centimeters. She was very unclear. They gave us some time to set up for the delivery. In that time, I got my client a warm washcloth to wash her face and she brushed her teeth. We started pushing shortly after. She pushed in a variety of positions, on her back, hands and knees, squatting. And two hours later, she pushed out a beautiful baby girl of eight pounds. This mama worked hard to make sure she had the birth she wanted for her second birth. She changed her doctor practice, her hospital, educated herself, hired a doula, and envisioned the birth she wanted to have, and then followed through. I hope you found this experience informative, but most of all reassuring and helpful. Third trimester. Truly one of my favorite things to do is to read your reviews. This is by Anonymous. This is a great podcast that is not limited to mothers. Every episode, I'm inspired by the dialogue, the knowledge, and the activism for justice. Period. This is a very necessary podcast. Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing. This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.